0: This is Doug Marshall of Marshall Ballistics, and you are listening to the Beer Mighty Things podcast.
1: Welcome into the Beer Mighty Things podcast. It's what you listen to while you brew. It's what's in your ears as you drink beers. If you make spirits, you need to hear it. Uh, there has been lots of activity uh, when it comes to retail theft, specifically in the spirits industry. And for that, today we brought in some security experts uh, from the Valentis group. I brought in Steve Such, Director of Planning and Project Management. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good Kyle. how are you? Terrific, thank you. And I uh, also brought in Martha Hunter. She's the head of marketing and sales and strategy at Valentis as well. Hi Martha. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Very welcome. Very excited to have y'all. All right, cool. So, talk to me. You know, I saw an article from uh my buddy Dom. Dom big shouts, thanks for putting us together. I've known Dom Dom a long time. Uh he's a big boy. I would not mess with that guy, so you know, he fits right in that security uh, unit. Um so talk to me, Steve. Talk to me about how you got into, uh, you know, security, and um, how you how you joined here with Valentus.
0: Sure. Uh, so I've been involved in private security since 2005. I uh, Actually, started out in theme park security, rose through the ranks, and uh, moved over to more of the private sector doing the contract security component, and I've been involved in that since 2009. Uh we I I've been with Valentis since we started. We are actually my wife actually owns the firm. Uh we are a private um uh, certified woman-owned business. And uh we've uh do work with both the commercial and government sectors. And uh we're located in uh, 10 different states.
1: That's great. And you're in Pittsburgh physically where you sit? Yeah, we are.
0: We are based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh we are actually in the process of moving. Uh we are opening into bigger space and uh, opening a second facility for training only. So we are expanding our, our capabilities. Wow. Even as we speak.
1: So you mentioned theme park security. You ever have to wrestle like Mickey mouse imposters or anything like that?
0: <laughs> no, no Mickey mouse imposters. Uh, however, people wearing uh scantily dressed uh, bikinis uh, sometimes get over intoxicated. So they need to have their, uh, yeah, things yeah. go bad sideways very quickly. A okay.
1: <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> We're actually talking about, I guess, theme park. These is theme park and amusement park. They the same? Are they interchangeable?
0: You know, so I've always, I always thought they were the same thing. But then, as you get into this business, you learn more about it. So a theme park would be more along with Disney, and then the amusement parks would be just something that doesn't have all those fancy attractions that cost a lot of money to go to. Okay, uh, but the but uh, actually, I was more involved on the water park side, which was owned by an amusement park. And uh, they, yeah, they did a lot of business. So things have changed though, since I was last down there.
1: Very nice. Yeah. We, uh, I grew up in Italy high Valley. So, you know, Dorney park and Wildwater kingdom was the jam. Okay. And uh, we are talking about visiting Cedar point um, in Ohio this year. Um, try and get on some roller coasters in the summer. So looking forward to it. I'll be, I'll no. be well-behaved.
0: I'm not a roller coaster fan though. I, no, no? I I can't do all that stuff. I, upside uh, upside upside down, comes out the other way so was <laughs> that? a fan
1: <laughs> were you a fan growing up and then something changed you know it's interesting so i
0: i got i was never really a fan of heights i was never really a fan of being turned upside down so it just got worse as i got older and now i have nothing to do with roller coasters whatsoever it's just i cannot that that queasy feeling in your stomach yeah. it was rough it was just yeah
1: some people like it we have a little hill you know when i take my girls to school I, you know, I speed up right before we hit it, like, of the gas and gets their stomachs every time they love it. So, uh yeah. So my girls are, you know, they're getting older now and we're trying to get them on some roller coasters and scare the bejesus out of them. So cool. All right. Well, congrats on the, uh you know, the growth of your business and the expansion. um When you're you, you mentioned, you know, training. Talk to me about like, a, am I thinking like, you know, almost like a gym wrestling area in a way or like a jujitsu type of thing or what kind of training do you all do?
0: No, so Volantis is, I, I would say we're the exception to the industry when it comes to training. Okay, uh, When we talk about training, we're talking about armed guards with guns. We're talking about defensive okay. tactics, uh, medical. Uh, we're talking about pepper spray. Uh, I'm sorry, OOC spray is what it's actually formerly called, uh, taser. Uh, all these things are part of our training program. Uh, again, what's, what's important on the training side is that when you have... Guards and you put them at sites. Uh, if they are not trained properly, then there should be no expectation that they can do anything effective for the client. So again, uh, you know, we start the, the staff off for first week, forty hours. If they can't perform during that forty hour period, we cut them loose. We just we're not we're not interested in 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 this imagery of guards that show up the sites untrained and are incapable of addressing threats as they as they evolve
1: yeah i saw you know you know when doing a little bit of reading i mean y'all are into not only security but planning and risk and risk management and obviously having the right folks properly trained in force that helps mitigate risk right that that handles risk properly because there's a way to handle risk the wrong way um you know back in college we would have uh we would throw these parties right we, we were bust, you know two buses down to philadelphia so you know 110 kids college kids and we were always very conscious of the guards or the security guards that were there because there are times, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel as if you have, you know, the, the security guard at the front door can really set the tone for the evening,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? If if this person is, you know, relaxed, everyone's kind of going to be relaxed. If it's a, a tense kind of, you know, introduction at the door, then that can kind of set off a different, you know, uh, animal for the rest of the night. Is that something you found? You know,
0: when you're talking about security the first thing people look at, and you mentioned it, was the image. If you have the guard who does not look the part, no one is going to take that guard serious. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and a large part of this industry has spent so much time focused on bodies and uniforms. Let's let's fill mm-hmm. the contract need. And they fail to miss the key parts, which of course is image, professional appearance. And then we miss the part about the training and competency. So yes, it's it's absolutely. I mean, if you see the guard with the shirt untucked and the and the hair is a mess, and the, you know they have different color uh, shoelaces, and uh, again, no one takes that type of staff seriously.
1: Yeah, the, the mice will play.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
1: Yeah. Okay. You mentioned your clients. What types of clients do you uh, typically work with?
0: So we do work with uh, a lot of our work is with residential communities, affordable housing communities. Uh, we also do work with uh, Department of Homeland Security, uh, Department of Defense. Uh, we work with uh, city governments, uh, port authorities, maritime security. Uh, we we take on projects that where they are become more complex. We're more interested in those projects, uh, whether they have high crime or if they're unique in a way where we where they're if we don't take those aggressive steps that we are accustomed to, then the situation spirals spirals out of control very quickly. And it's necessary for when other like the district attorney gets involved and starts calling your nuisance property and things where it doesn't need to be. We we try to step ahead of that so there is no further issues.
1: Understood. Okay. Um what brought us together was some some theft down in Florida. Um there was a They have a couple locations, but there is a location in Florida at the Republic National Distributing Company. Um, And there was a theft of $1.6 million worth of alcohol. And this took hours. They stole lots of Cuervo and Malibu rum. And they hauled this off on tractor trailers. So, like, how does this happen? I mean, how, how how do hours go by with... You know, the theft happening and, and no police or no sort of anything um, interrupting or interfering.
0: So from what I understood on the case is mm-hmm. that they dis- they were able to disable the surveillance cameras, mm. which then causes one to question, well, if the cameras. Wouldn't that, were...
1: Yeah. Wouldn't that yeah.
0: set off a red flag immediately? You, you would think, but okay. apparently it did not happen in this case. Uh, <laughs> there's been no discussion about physical security as far as guards at the site. I mean, if there were physical security at the site, that's even a bigger red flag. Uh, but I also think part of the bigger problem is clients don't think it's going to happen to mm-hmm. um, They Um, they, they don't see it as a threat and they roll the dice and hope that it. if it ever does happen, we'll address it later on. But then you have stories like this that make national news Mm -hmm. and then you have to question whether or not what they actually did and what they weren't doing. So uh, unfortunately, a lot of clients don't want to be exposed to the cost of having security until something happens and it's too late.
1: And, you know, again, being in the risk management insurance world that I'm in, you know, that's that's the same kind of situation, right? We don't, we don't, it won't happen to us. And that's that's a big part of what's going on with, you know, cyber attacks. You know, we're too mm-hmm. small. It won't happen to us when you're actually, since you are small and you really don't have the proper computer protections, um, it probably will happen to you. And it probably already has. And you just don't even know it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So that happens. Okay. It,
0: it, it's, it's interesting, even in this particular Florida heist, you know, you... They actually ended up making a couple of arrests uh, of, of the suspects. But again, it was like, how do you get inside a facility and you carry out this scheme for almost five and a half hours and not one person? I mean, we're talking about now we're into the work hours of the day and not one person even saw this. It's, it's just it's insane. It almost
2: To me, it seems like someone who worked there who must have had in on it.
1: That was my next question. Was this an inside job? Is this typically an inside job, you know?
0: I would think yes. Uh, however, I don't know if they've actually confirmed that yet. Sure. Uh, what I what I would offer though is this type of situation is a planned attack, mm-hmm. and they knew exactly where the vulnerabilities were, and they moved on those vulnerabilities, and they carried again. They carried this out for five and a half hours. Yeah, it just it's it just amazes me.
1: So, what's something that we could look for? I mean, obviously, if it was if it was planned, you know, maybe. One, it could be an inside job, but two, that person must have visited number of times. So somebody should be acknowledging, like, "Hey, this person's in here a lot, and maybe they're friendly." And yeah, that's probably a they want to be friendly and make a relationship, and then make them less suspicious. I guess was that? Do you see that often as well? It does. So there's there's a
0: couple there's a couple of schools of thought with that. You know, you have when you have lack of security measures, uh, whether that's physical guards or you have cameras that aren't being used properly you have, it's very easy to expose the gaps in the security plan. And, and who's to say this place even had a security plan. I mean, that, that's the other element of this Uh, you know, when, when you develop security and, and you take into consideration, one of the key parts of that is recognizing that organized planned type of crime. What I mean by that is you've got criminals who work together and they, they organize their attack. They, they, conduct surveillance in advance meaning that they as you said they they visit the site in, ahead of time they ask questions of, of employees and employees have really sometimes have no idea that they're being questioned uh you know going beyond that i mean there there's other uses of technology that exist flying a drone above taking pictures mm-hmm. people don't even realize that they look up they don't think twice about it but there's a drone capturing footage of the security operations at the site. They use that footage later on and they carry out their attack An attack meaning they, the, is the robbery in this case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you see a drone and you're like, Oh, it's just some kid goofing around, you know? Okay. So that's, you know, it's that kind of time of year, right? We have, you know, retail theft is big, you know, we're, we're coming around the holidays. Um, so we're going to see this more and more. I, I think target has been a, target of this um you know the target store but i mean these guys these guys pulled up tractor trailers so i mean couldn't you gotta be able to like trace this back to who's running trucks that doesn't typically or i mean i love a heist movie like those are my favorite movies like no doubt that's what my i love if you ask my wife i don't watch a lot of movies but when i do it's heist or comedy and that's (laughs) you know otherwise you know she's we just watch rom-coms because you know she's the boss so um but yeah you know it it is always interesting, you know that. I guess you can uh, you trust people, just don't trust the devil inside them. I think was a quote from from one of my heist movies, Usual Suspects, I believe. <laughs> Good one.
0: It's you know it's also you see, you mentioned movies, but I mean this stuff you would you see in a movie and it's happening in real life. It just it just really transcends into the 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 magnitude of how crime is evolving mm-hmm. and how it's becoming more sophisticated which is making it more complex.
1: So as as a person who is an owner and a director of a security company, how do you stay ahead of them? Because a lot of times, right, even in the cyber world, like we don't know what the next type of hacking is until it happens. And then we're trying to safeguard that. So we're always kind of one step behind. How do you folks stay ahead?
0: We recommend, and we tell everybody the same thing. You have to be able to outthink and outmaneuver the criminal. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to to understand their mind in order to stay ahead of that. So if you understand that you're vulnerable to, you know, for example, and I'll use active shooter as an example. Uh-huh. If you're vulnerable to an active shooter event, you need to be able to plan accordingly to number one, deter that from happening. Uh-huh. And number two, have a plan or, or whatever capabilities are being used to respond to that and in and, and anticipation of defeating that event so people's lives don't get lost or, or additional injuries
1: is there like a common theme on like the motivation of this uh, obviously right one i the first one i assume is all right we're gonna steal this stuff we're gonna sell it to make money are there other reasons people do these things
0: i've always believed the money is the motivator uh mm-hmm. in this particular case uh you know i i clients and and individuals who have high value items need to truly understand what those after effects are of the theft. So for example, you know again black market, big business, yeah. you yeah. know you you steal the items, you resell it, you make that money back. People are not interested in the product, they're interested in the financial gain yeah. after the product is stolen. So again, the, once we understand that value, then we can understand why a criminal would make my site attractive.
1: Yeah. Do you see, you know, sometimes with shooters, you have like that copycat motive. Does does that happen in kind of retail theft?
0: Yes, and I think we're seeing it quite yeah. dominantly across the country. Uh you yeah. know, California, brazenly walking into stores and in booty uh New York, same uh-huh. same scenario. So it's, it's fairly,
1: Philadelphia too. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're you're seeing it because since they're being able to get away with it, it's happening more and more. And then of course, when you have the law not prosecuting. I mean, California recently lowered the, the the theft charges. I mean, so you can walk into a store, grab what 800 dollars worth of merchandise, and not get prosecuted—at yeah. least the extent that you should be.
1: And is that because there's just scarier things to worry about? uh That's probably oh, a costly. topic we could
0: go. Well, that, yeah. that's probably a topic we'd go off on a different tandem. But uh, yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day, I have my own beliefs that it's, it's yeah. politically motivated. Uh, I find out in, in due time, uh, you know, when you, when you lower the threshold for crime and crime, you know, think Gotham city. I mean, I know it's fictional, but there's a movie that, you know, they, they lower the threshold in crime prosecution and crime took over. And again, it's just really about understanding why crime takes place and understanding that if I can defeat it in a courtroom, I can continue to do it and do it and, and, just
2: repeat myself. Steve, I have a question. So I know you said, he, he asked, how, how do we prevent this? How do we, what should people do or organizations do? And you said they have to think like a criminal and that's how they plan for it. But it doesn't seem like there was any sort of guards there, physical guards, I know the, the articles don't say if there was security guards there or not. But in my mind, if they had planned this, they were there visiting and they saw a security guard who was there twenty four seven or what have you? It probably wouldn't have happened unless they were planning to, you know, sedate or use use physical violence to to get rid of the security guard. But mm. did, right, like, doesn't it make sense to just have physical security there as opposed to just cameras because cameras can't aren't always reliable?
0: It depends on what type of physical security you have present. Uh, you know, it, again, it goes back to the original comment that Cal made about the the guard at the. Uh, you know, at the college campus, if you have that unskilled, untrained guard who is walking around making sure that they do their rounds so that they can check off boxes on someone's checklist, then no, Martha, that 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 guard will not prevent that type of activity because the guard may be completely unaware of their surroundings, which then allows the crime to take place. Uh, you know, so th- there's a lot of moving parts to that, and and. This is what I talk about. The untrained guards and untrained staff exposes the client even more.
1: I will I will add that I've worked in three office buildings that have had a guard at the front desk. Guard was actually so here's here's a question for you. Do guards have certain names? Because these guards all were named Bill, Gil, and Phil. And I'm not even kidding. And they were always older gentlemen and they were always sleeping. Right, I can't so. say
0: that. That's a, <laughs> I can't <laughs> say about the name. I can definitely say that sleeping is one one comment not a theme.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if 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 Gil, Phil, and Bill are at the front door and they're sleeping, I'm not really deterred from entering that property. <laughs> right, I'm not really worried about it.
0: And and that's a very good point. I mean, if again, if there was physical security guards on site during this particular heist, what were they doing? Were they sleeping? Were they watching a movie? Were they completely yeah. disconnected from their job? For five and a half hours. No, it's very possible. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, but it's very possible.
1: There's some long heist movies out there that they're probably just digging into. That'd be <laughs> ironic. <laughs> uh, Dom wrote an article on your website, published mm-hmm. on the blog, and I can share that link. But uh, what we find, you know, from that is, you know, 75% of employees admit to stealing from their employer at least once. And the key word there is admit. So, you know, in these, you know, companies where you're making booze you're making great beer you're making great spirits um i'm assuming theft is pretty rampant now would you say that a way to deter theft would to be give to give your employees like an allowance of what they can have and just and give away and things like that um to to prevent the theft what are your thoughts on that
0: so i think theft as a whole from an employer, you know, again, we have to understand what the motivating factors of theft is from an employer. Uh, in any case, it's wrong. Uh, but unless you're going to be liberal about it and allow them to steal that, that's a different story. But approaching this from the mindset that theft is wrong and you shouldn't steal from your employer, uh, what exactly is motivating them to do this? Is there, is there consideration that they're having issues at home? Mm-hmm. uh, financial issues that they can't overcome by just working a, a normal, you know, work week. Um, are they exacting some type of revenge against the employer? Um, are they so disgruntled that they feel that this is another mechanism of revenge is to get back at the employer. And, and a lot of people think like that, that you know, people who do steal from the employer feel that, you know, I'm being treated badly. Uh, this is not my place to work. So this employer is going to pay for it. And this is how I'm going to exact that vengeance. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of ways that one could come up with a way to defeat that. However, it does take all hands on deck approach in order from from top management all the way down to uh, I would say you know shift supervisors su- shift uh, shift supervisors that can make decisions accordingly.
1: I would piggyback what you just said there because from top down from management senior management you need to practice what you preach right. So mm-hmm. if your employees are seeing you take liquor or take beer home and you know well why can't i mm-hmm. so that that happens and, and theft can also be not only you know of, of inventory or product um, but it could be office supplies it could mm-hmm. be time right mm-hmm. sleeping on the job is also theft right
0: yep there, um, there's you know, yeah. know theft is a very costly expense for an employer but then that expense needs to be passed on to someone else mm-hmm. and if, Eventually the consumer has to pay the price, the burden of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in some cases, insurance companies have to pay the burden, depending on how big of the loss it is. Yeah. So again, there's there's a lot of victims in this theft that goes on from employees, and the employees don't obviously think of it at the time they're thinking of the of the current situation, uh, whatever that might be. And uh yeah, they they take action inappropriately.
1: Yeah, I just saw so I'm I'm actually in a risk management course. I have an exam on Wednesday, but, um, we were talking about how many small businesses there are. And there's about 33 million small businesses in the United States. And this, this stat from the article shows employee theft costs employers up to $50 billion annually. So, you know, 33 million small businesses, 50 billion annually. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money. There's a lot of small businesses that are, don't have great margins and are scraping by. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that adds up and that that certainly makes it, makes it tough. Okay.
0: It does. And and a lot of, small businesses aren't prepared to address some of these more complex issues that happen at workplace. I mean, we, we always want to protect ourselves against, you know, the things that we can be exposed at immediately uh, you know, where we discrimination and harassment and, but we fail to miss these underlying issues that happen and the ones that could eventually cost us, which is the theft. And, you know, what, what's to prevent an employee from, Just walking out the door with, you know, five cases of alcohol and selling it on the black market and making more money from that sale than they would on working three months of, of, you know, 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of motivating factors for employees to steal. None of them are correct, but again, they feel they're motivating factors.
1: Yeah. So also- I know this
2: has not a lot to do with security, but if you're, your audience is business owners, right? So I think it really goes, if 75% employees are admitting to stealing, to me, the deeper issue is like, this is a culture issue. If you don't have happy employees, or if you, sorry, if you do have happy employees that enjoy working for you and that are proud to work there and, and everyone's getting along, then they're probably not going to steal from you. So if you're treating your employees well... And vice versa, then, then I bet that number could decrease significantly. So yes, risk management and arm security and all of that is really necessary. But if you get to the deeper root of the problem, just treat people well, and they're probably Mm -hmm. not going to want to steal from you. Now you're sure you're going to have those bad apples, but I bet that number would go down if, if culture overall, you know, was better at the organization.
1: Mm -hmm hundred percent, you know, looking at that other stat, there is, you know, on average, 5% of an organization's revenue is lost to employee theft each year. So, you know, if a small craft beverage maker, you know, makes 12% return, but they're only seeing seven, right? Because that five is disappearing due to theft. And then you have interest rates at seven. Well, they're, they're, they're netting zero. And so again, Martha, to your point, like our staff is where it is kind of what holds everything together or not. Right. Um, do you have any, you know, from any businesses that you've worked in or within Valentis, How do we build that culture of trust? How do we, how do we make that a top-down approach to, to ensure that you know we can continue operating our business and keeping our employees happy?
0: So what we have found that we've made some dynamic changes internally over the last couple of years, uh, from the standpoint of improving employee happiness, and, and again, we, we have lots to learn. I mean, we're not perfect in anything, but uh, you know recognizing employee complaints when they complain is one key uh, step that we have. So we, you know, we have layers of, when I say layers, I mean, we have, you know, steps that an employee, if they have a complaint, they can resolve it. If it doesn't get resolved at one level, they can move it up and continue until it gets to the highest executive management level. Um, we have quarterly meetings with our employees it allows them to vent. You know, they, they, when they complain and people are hearing them, And people are going to take action. And and this is meetings with executive management. Uh, You know, sometimes we don't like to hear what they have to complain about, but at the same time, it allows them to vent that all out so that they, they, that voice and that ear can take action when needed. Uh, You know, we also have, we recognize our employees. Again, you know, this is something we hadn't done years ago, but we have taken very strict procedure we have strict procedures in place to recognize good performance and i say by strict is it's not just anybody you know you show up to work and you work eight hours and you get you know recognized for it i'm, I'm saying they're going above and beyond mm-hmm. and when we when we it puts people in a position where they can strive to do well and it allows them to enjoy the workplace uh you know again we're not perfect and and i would never say we're perfect but and we have a lot to learn uh people might do it differently but re- you know taking the steps to encourage employee participation is the first uh mechanism to go forward in order to recognize good employees and improving that work, work morale
1: yeah i agree it's also you know the the main crux of the book the one minute manager right praise mm-hmm. praise your staff publicly catch them doing things right you know mm-hmm. versus wrong um and, and again praise them publicly what I found uh, through studies within the craft beverage industry is that most employees want to be recognized, want time mm-hmm. off, and want a Chick Fil A gift card of twenty five dollars. Like it doesn't have to; it's not a lot to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much to just show somebody you care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, See, you know.
2: I'll take a Chick Fil A gift card anytime. <laughs> yeah. throwing that out there. Something we don't do. Send the
1: mail, <laughs> Martha.
0: <laughs> you know, the the one the one challenge in the contract security industry is, you know, what we what we have discovered is that uh, a employers do not support the employee should something go wrong in the field. That's that's a big negative in this industry. Mm-hmm. Number two is they don't offer any training and they just send the, the the guards blindly, so to speak, out to the site and expect the guards going to figure out what I'll they say. Do.
1: What can you expect that when you that's how you roll?
0: Exactly. And, and the third is, is that a lot of guards, a lot of guard companies, I should say, only care about the contract and they don't care about the exposure that the guard might be faced with. So they're not given the tools. They're not giving the risk management component of the service that allows them to effectively do their job. So, for example, sending a guard into a, into a site, client site that should be armed and they're unarmed because that's what the client wants thoroughly exposes everybody to liability and we don't look at it that way we're just oh, we don't want guns but there, there's a whole science behind that and uh we just we need to do a better job at that valentis that's what we do that's that's why we are a risk management defined company because we take taken all that
1: into consideration i love it and cross function communication across the you know across the business different departments right i mean we have you know, you're here as a director of planning, and we have Marthon's director of marketing, essentially, and and you know, you two are collaborating on the t- same topic, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's important, right? Everybody, left hand needs to know what the right hand's doing, yes. um, and and be consistent and be thorough, okay? That's good insight, okay? Um, all right, so we talked about that 1.6 million dollars of stolen um, stolen spirits from the distributor. Uh, it was 4,200 cases and took about five hours now i saw another one in california was a million dollars of theft um these were rare wine bottles uh they were about three to th- three thousand to six thousand dollars each um this took four hours and this uh this robber i guess we'd call him, perpetrator um dropped in through the ceiling cut a hole in the ceiling dropped down into the store wandered around the store so you know and they have it on camera, but no nobody was there to stop it and he was in there for four hours took over a million dollars in rare bottles again you have to it's one thing to get in there and be in there but then you also have to get the stuff out without getting caught i mean there's got to be a lot of people you know to involved here um so you know what other specific vulnerabilities have you seen related to alcohol theft where do we think the industry's going and you know let's let's talk about your security assessments that y'all do internally and externally when you do a walkthrough analysis. I think I might've thrown too many questions at you there, but. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. So,
0: so again, the first thing we, do, we need to recognize is that crime's evolving and we, and again, I go back to that comment I made earlier about outthinking the criminal. Uh, you know, when you do these security assessments and you look at uh, an operation, whether it's a warehouse or store, it doesn't matter. They, they're they all structured in the same way. What I don't recommend, and, and I don't think anyone in Valencia would ever recommend it is going online and going to Google and, and downloading a security assessment template and filling in the blanks because every situation is unique and every situation has its own challenges and vulnerabilities. Then we need to recognize Uh, what's that facility issues, you know, first, identifying access control measures, what are those access control measures? Uh, You know, again, if if we're talking high priced uh, alcohol, and you're storing this somewhere, who has access to that? I mean, Mm. if if anyone just can walk in and grab whatever they want without any true access control, then you're vulnerable. Uh, You know, how are visitors processed? Uh, You know, are they allowed to just walk around the facility? Uh, you know, you mentioned about the rooftop access. I mean, if, if there was a security assessment done, that's something that should have been reviewed. And, you know, you shouldn't have readily available access to a rooftop that can just repel inside the building and take whatever you want. Uh, you know, what about utility systems? I mean, again, these are all things that when you're doing an assessment, because if I can cut the power to the building and I can cut the power inside the the, the warehouse or facility, I can then potentially shut off the cameras if the cameras are not on a backup system. A lot of the newer camera systems have cellular backup, so it allows them to continue operating while sending out alerts to the end users indicating that power has been shut off. Uh, you know, how do we treat temporary contractors? You know, are we just allowing anyone to walk inside our building? I mean, again, is there some way to vet those contractors?
1: Uh that's always the guy in the movie, like the the guy exactly the plumber, the plumber. He's you know,
0: you know, and it's again. I, I keep, we keep referencing movies, but it's true. A lot of the stuff that you see happening is stuff that we saw in movies. And right. you know, if if you know if you can get past the the weaknesses, you can easily exploit everything else and and carry out what you want to do. Uh, you know, are we, you know, from a security, you know, assessment part, are we, are we identifying the, the employees? Are we conducting background checks on employees? You know, what's the ratio of management to employees? That's all key areas where, you know, are, do we have more eyes on our employees or is management just sitting behind a desk buried in paperwork all day and have no idea what's going on in daily operations? Uh, security cameras, I mean, we talked, we've talked a lot about security cameras today, but, you know, again, cameras are good. They're good investigative tools, but are they truly going to stop crime from happening? No, it's not. I mean, they're they You know, I I like some of these companies that sell you on this idea that uh, someone's watching your camera and we're going to shout through the microphone that get away, get away. Two police are going to be called. Do you really think brazen criminals who are intent on stealing hordes of of inventory that are valued at millions of dollars are going to care about some? person on the other end screaming get away get away we're gonna um, call the police from miles no.
1: away or whatever yeah, you know
0: correct i mean and again there's the response time of the police i mean we're dealing with under overwhelmed law enforcement departments and we all know about the recruiting challenges uh you know that that's all yeah. things that will be taking place consideration for that and of course this is a guard company i mean we've talked about you know why is a guard company a vulnerability i mean we, we, we've talked about some of the challenges with guard companies but the clients who hire these companies really need to know what these companies are training their guards to do. You know, I'll give you an example here in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, the the Act 235 program, which is what certifies guards to carry guns. It's 40 hours long. Eight of those hours are spent at the range. You reduce that time by breaks and lunches. You're, you're now down to less than 35, 34 hours in training. And we're entrusting these people to carry guns to protect persons and property. That I would be petrified about. Uh-huh. But again, what's the training those guard companies are doing? And and the lastly, policies and procedures. I mean, we, you know, do you have an employee theft policy? Because if you don't, it kind of opens the door for you to be exposed to employee theft. Well, if it's not there. It's telling me I, you know, there's nothing telling me I can't steal, so I can go steal. You know, how is theft Dealt with? Are you threatening law enforcement action if an employee is caught stealing? Again, if you deter it, then you likely you know decrease the possibility that that might exist. So yeah, there's a lot of things that go into a security assessment, and you know another way to assess a client's property is doing something called a penetration test. The penetration test. Uh, you know, you almost walk on the property, you walk around the property, you see if you can get through the front door, you see if you can walk into the dock door. If nobody is stopping you, you've got a big problem on your hands. And now mm. you wonder how $1.6 million is gone. Yeah, that's probably a good way to find out.
1: Yeah, just lift up the uh, the bay door, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Back up our tractor and run and grab a bunch of shit and go. Exactly, mm. exactly. Okay, so safeguarding entrances and exits, making sure they're yep. locked. I even do, you know, I'll do uh, a little bit of patrol like at my daughter's school, right? There's a couple of us where, you know, when there's a field day or things like that, you know, we walk around, make sure there's nobody walking through the woods, to, you know, to, to harm the kids. We check the mm-hmm. doors and, you know, it's simple things, but I always feel like the simple things get overlooked. People get lazy and then things happen. Okay.
0: People tend to forget that the greatest deterrent to crime is just knowing your surroundings. We call it situational awareness. It's knowing what's going on around you at all times and realizing that if it's a threat, you recognize it as a threat and you take appropriate action.
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm. I've read too, so I've had um, situations where, you know, like there's been a cash register robbed. Um, You know, even just if you see someone suspicious I've read that you can disarm them by just something as simple as like a compliment, like, Hey, where'd you get that jacket? I really like it. And that simply might deter them from carrying on with what they're going to do. Is that, do you agree?
0: If you have an employee who is capable of doing that, I mean, I don't recommend it, but if if they are capable of disarming and diffusing a situation like that, then by all means that they should, they should try. But again, I, I, you know for our perspective is that you know when people walk into a store or walk in to steal and they're armed, you know, there, there's definitely something is amiss there, and and yeah. you know they're going to carry that out one way or another. Unfortunately, we hope never no one ever gets hurt, uh, but you know, oftentimes people are told just give them what they want and let them walk away.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, okay. I think yeah. you made a good point though about training the employees, even. Um, which is also something that we can do is come in there and train the employees because, you know, we have people there or what have you, but the, the employees are also there and we really need to act as a team if something is happening. So we, we come in and also train, train the employees on situational awareness and whatever else is necessary specifically to their business.
1: Yeah. I mean, something, yeah. just like a compliment or just that person being noticed, like now they might, it might be disarmed. They may double think what they were going to do um and or crap hey they recognize my jacket now they're going to know who I am or something like that you know just you know but just being aware yeah you know pay attention to what's going on around you see something that you know is out of the ordinary um you know i guess you know in that situation hey i'm a i'm a waiter or waitress at a at a restaurant and i see something a little fishy what should i do do i go to my manager do i address the the person what are your thoughts there
0: you know When we, when we, and Martha brought this up about, about the training component, you know, when the things that are so simple, like you said, are some of the things we overlook the most, Mm -hmm. you know, having, uh, having a plan that your employees can refer to, and I'm not talking about writing, you know, uh, DHS calls it mental mapping. And, you know, when, when they train on active shooter scenarios, they train you with the understanding that, you know, you've committed in your head exactly what you're going to do whether it's an evacuation route or you know you're going to take this step when when the event takes place nothing changes when you use it for any other purposes with the understanding that your the employees are going to have some basic information that they can pull out of their toolbox so to speak and utilize in a single moment when the situation goes sideways Uh and a lot of employees don't get that training and and for whatever reason, I, I never understood why employers don't give employees training. Uh, but, you know, you're you're responsible for them while they are on your site. And when something happens. The employer is exposed to the liabilities. I mean, again, we talk about risk management, you know, insurance companies. I mean, sure, they don't really want to be writing checks out for liabilities stemming from an employer's failed training program. But it happens it because either. A, they don't know what to how to train them on or what to train them on, and B, they just don't feel it's necessary. But we need to treat our employees differently, and that's really what Martha was getting back is the culture in the work environment that if we're giving them we're treating them correctly, then the tendencies of go getting revenge on the employer is reduced.
1: Yeah, okay. Do you get applicants who are just kind of like they want to play cop in a way? Like, do, do you see that? Yeah. And obviously, your training is. Pretty rigorous, but do you see that we do? And they
0: quickly get discarded. Yeah, <laughs> there's no time for that. Uh, nobody has time for that, and no one wants to be open to exposures, you know, liability.
1: Yeah, are tasers as fun to use as they look?
0: They are, uh, <laughs> they, they are well, let, me, let me put it this way so, so we do so we require exposure to both OC spray and tasers if you if you want to carry that, and everyone comes back and states the same thing. I would rather take the fifty thousand volt lightning train than get exposed to, to OC spray. <laughs>
1: yeah, back in high school, um, we had a, like a late, you know, a Thursday night practice or something. No pads, just you know, walk through night before the game. And one of the knuckleheads, you know, in the front of the line, we're doing a jog around the field. Some for some reason has pepper spray, sprays it in the air, and we all ran through it. <laughs> It was awful. It was, it was terrible. Um, so don't do that.
0: No, no, do that. Do not do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was bad news. Um, okay. So, you know, we talked cyber threats, we talked about, you know, threats and physical locations, things like that. What, what kind of training are y'all preparing for in the future? What are we seeing? What is it, you know, that that's maybe, you know, just not obvious that, that you're, you're thinking about, you're trying to stay one step ahead.
0: You know, we, we talk a lot about, preparing for active shooter events. You know, we, we, we hmm. con- we're concerned with that, obviously. You know, we're concerned with preventing uh, disruptive behavior at client sites that we're working at. I, I am, I'm a believer that, you know, we are just seeing, we're on the cusp of a lot of different evolving threats. One of those threats, of course, would be improvised explosive devices. Right? I know it sounds really crazy, but, you know, here's something that's accessible, easily accessible. Uh, that a criminal can create on their own and utilize in a manner that can be extremely destructive. I mean, you, kill, you can kill lots of people, you can bring buildings down. I mean, there's lots of things you can do with that. So again, we, we tailor the awareness component of our training to understand that it's just not a bad guy with a gun. There are other ways that that person can carry out an attack, uh, you know, understanding and, Recognizing that our clients are also partners in all that as well. having our part having our clients train again with that basic awareness helps do our job much better because again, we're working in sync as a team, not separate and not against each other.
1: Understood. Do you spend a lot of time, you know, in the psychology world trying to understand motive and and why people do what they do?
0: We do. Uh, we, we you know we if we understand the mindset, It goes back to understanding the criminal element and how they plan. Then we can be ahead of that. You know, Mm -hmm. even interesting recently, we have found that they're now becoming more sophisticated in the courtroom. So -hmm. what's what's happening is that they're hiring these very good defense attorneys who are finding ways to suppress evidence on technical reasons. And when they do that. They are not even having to address the crime itself. They can address the technical components, suppress the evidence, and there's no case at that point. So again, people are getting, even though they're getting brazen, as much as they're getting brazen out in committing the criminal act, they're also getting equally capable of beating in the
2: courtroom.
1: I guess if you steal enough queer and sell it, then you can pay for a good lawyer.
0: That is true. (laughs) (laughs) Good. There you go.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Um, what haven't we talked about that you think we should cover, or do you think we covered it at all?
0: I I would recommend again. I would recommend whatever whatever avenues are, are pursued in the future from from clients in in, in the beverage industry. I, I think it's important to start with the assessment, take it serious, uh, build the security plan from that point, and you know really evaluate what that security plan, that program looks like. Because again, it's not as simple as hiring a national known security company, placing a guard there and having the guard walk around the building, you know, 15 times an hour. That is not going to be the solution. And, you know, understanding that cameras are great investigative tools. Again, we've talked about that, but again, I I can't stress it enough, driving home the idea of a solid comprehensive security plan Makes the world of a difference. You might not be able to prevent every crime from happening, but you certainly reduce the likelihood of the bigger crimes from happening.
1: Okay, how do how how do they start? Do they go to your website? Do they call you? Do they? Is there something that they can do on their own?
0: So we do have resources on our, online, and and I'm going to defer to Martha because she's actually been the keeper of that information. Perfect. Yeah, uh, Martha, you want yeah, like so, to? Yeah. So
2: I mean, just to so like like Steve said. I would end with two things. Um, one is the risk mitigation piece of it is It's really not just about checking a box that says, yes, I updated security plan this year because everyone uses the same one year after year. Thru- truly, you have to have an expert come in and identify all your vulnerabilities. So we can do that. We could do a ass- security se- assessment. Just go to our website, um, go to the contact us page, or just give us a call and we'll answer and, and get that, a site visit scheduled.
1: Martha, what's that website?
2: it's valentisinc.com so v-a-l-e-n-t-i-s-i-n-c.com
1: okay okay
2: and then the other piece of it was is culture right people need people to listen and not only listen but do something about it so if you're hearing complaints do something to fix it and not just listen to them just because that's what you're supposed to do so people need people to listen and then do something
1: love it okay um, I think that's all great. Are we ready for a couple of rapid fire questions that end on a on a on a lighter note?
2: Steve, that's all you. Are you sure?
1: <laughs> I don't know, Martha. You're on the call here. I think, uh, I, think... I can
2: try, but oh, you can we it. edit after the fact? I'm just kidding. Mm, I all
1: right. I'm gonna give three questions to Steve, and then we're gonna go three questions to Martha. All right, and they're, they're rapid fire. So I don't really want you to think, I just want you to whatever comes uh quickest, all right. Steve pancakes or waffles pancakes curly fries or straight fries straight fries do we put pineapple on pizza we do not okay Martha tacos or pizza pizza movie or music movie heist
2: movie
1: heist movie exactly lake or ocean lake all right I live on Lake Erie so perfect absolutely uh did you get snow yet or no
2: um, we did a couple weeks ago, very briefly, crazy. but that's crazy. not not a, a further than two days.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. All right, um, all right. Each of you are going to get the same question. Steve, favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Stuffing. Nice, Martha.
2: Same thing. They okay. asked that in church yesterday too. It's definitely stuffing.
1: Perfect. Do we put raisins or any kind of dried fruit in our in our stuffing? Definitely not. No. Yeah. Okay.
2: No. I'm good with like the boxed stuffing yeah. to be honest with you. I
1: agree. How do they do that? It's so good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I had Friendsgiving this weekend and we definitely had nice. boxed stuffing. Huh.
1: We usually do Friendsgiving after Thanksgiving because you bring the leftovers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: I will say work. this.
0: I will say this. My wife, I, I love ambrosia salad. And my wife hates it. She thinks it's for nursing homes. And, is- <laughs> <laughs> and and uh but I am a big fan of my mom's uh ambrosia salad. So I'll throw that out there, but stuffing is first.
1: And that's the that's the creamy fruit salad. Yes. okay yes. I know that's what it was called. Okay. Quick Google, the Google machine. <laughs> awesome. Well, Steve, Martha, I appreciate your time. And this is very insightful, very informative. And I thank you so much. Um you know, have have happy holidays, and obviously, I uh, will direct folks your way. And um, all right, anything else we want to say before we sign off?
0: We're good. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Very good.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. That'll help us get found by other fantastic people like yourself. I don't monetize this, so all I ask is that if you like it, share it with someone else who might like it. Connect with me on Instagram at Beer Mighty Things Podcast. Catch you all next time. Cheers and Beer Mighty Things.